Speaking of tests, Israel was receiving it. The book of Numbers tells us all about it. Uh, they were in their wilderness wanderings, and they would be faced with many, many tests. Sadly, they didn't do so well. But they didn't get a chance yet to fail miserably on their tests in the wilderness because they're still, even though we're tonight in the ninth chapter of Numbers, they're still pretty much encamped. They have not yet really moved out on their way to the land of promise, which the Lord had destined them uh, to have. And so they're still encamped. And in that context, in Numbers chapter 9, verse 1, the Lord says this to Moses. Numbers chapter 9, verse 1, he said, Moses, and this was in the wilderness of Sinai, it says in the first month of the uh, second year, after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, let the sons of Israel observe the Passover at its appointed time. So the Passover was God's idea, as are other feasts of Israel, which you can read about if you'd like. There are about seven of them in Leviticus chapter 23. Passover is quite significant. It commemorates redemption. It was first celebrated when Israel began her exit uh, from Egypt. She was in bondage as slaves for over 400 years, cried out to God who graciously delivered her. And to mark the occasion, Israel was mandated to celebrate this event called the Passover. And so God said to Moses, Moses, remind Israel to do it again. And in this case, it would be exactly one year uh, to the time of its institution and first celebration. They are out of bondage now for one year. And the purpose of Passover is to give them an opportunity to remember redemption. It was the time when, because of the application of the blood of a lamb to the doorposts of their homes, the angel of death passed over, hence the name Passover. Now, this was not true on the homes of the Egyptians. No blood was applied. And so they suffered the ravages of the 10th plague, which was death of the firstborn. You know about all this. This was God's plan to get Pharaoh's attention. And by the way, it worked pretty effectively. But those homes uh, occupied by the Israelites, who at that point, by faith, applied the blood of the lamb to the doorposts of their homes. They were spared the ravages of the 10th plague. They did not suffer death because the angel of death was forced to pass over because of the blood. And so God instituted this opportunity because it's easy to forget him. You would think it would not be, but it just is, especially if you're in the wilderness. There's too much to distract you. You start thinking about all kinds of things, and you forget about the centrality of your Redeemer. And so God, this is a wonderful thing. He said, I'll give you something concrete, something you could latch onto annually to remember the great redemption with which you have been Redeemed, And so this feast is a reminder to Israel uh, that her redemption depended not on her virtue. She had none, uh, not on her obedience. It was um, uh, not too good. Her redemption depended on the blood of the lamb. So they were instructed to celebrate the Passover, it says, in the first month, which is um, roughly equivalent to our March or April. Interestingly, soon... Uh, Jewish people around the world will be doing the same thing 
uh, now for thousands of years, they'll be celebrating the Passover to remind them of this great redemption uh, wherein God graciously redeemed Israel. And so it says in verse 3, on the 14th day of this month at twilight, you shall observe it at its appointed time. You shall observe it according to all its statutes and according to all its ordinances. So Moses told the sons of Israel to observe the Passover. And they observed the Passover in the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the sons of Israel did. But there were some men who were unclean because of the dead person so that they could not observe Passover on that day. So they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. Here's the situation. God said, you will observe the Passover on the 14th day of the first month, which is Nisan, 14th of Nisan. God said, do it the way I told you to do it. Well, these people very much want to do what God told them to do, these men. They want to connect with the Passover because they're part of the covenant. They want to be reminded of redemption, but they can't. Because the same law of God, which mandated the observance of Passover, also said that you will incur a kind of ceremonial uncleanness if you come in contact with a dead body. That's just the way it is. And so you would be disqualified for a period of time from participating in offering the Passover lamb in recognition of what God had done on your behalf. So they are serious about wanting to participate. They're not looking for a loophole. They don't want out of this. They're in this. They've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They're connected by covenant to this marvelous redemption of Almighty God. But His very law had disqualified them from full participation because they're ceremonially unclean. So they go to God's representative, in this case Moses. Aaron is with him. Aaron is the high priest. And they say, Moses, here's our situation. What should we do? And so verse 7, those men said to him, Though we are unclean because of the dead person, why are we restrained from presenting the offering of the Lord at its appointed time among the sons of Israel? Maybe it was a relative of theirs. Surely they had to pay respects to a loved one who's just passed. And yet in the process of fulfilling their obligation, they incurred a ceremonially uncleanness which disqualified them from the Passover celebration. So they make their appeal to Moses. They don't know what to do exactly. And so Moses said to them, wait, and I will listen to what the Lord will command concerning you. Moses is a great leader, the great lawgiver. He went up to Mount Sinai, but but he doesn't know. He he cannot recall any any aspect of the law given to him by God that allows for a contingency such as this. He knows the law. He received it. He's the lawgiver. He values it. He's treating it with utmost respect. It, it is a holy thing. It, it reflects the character of God, but he, he doesn't know of anything in it that would allow for any alternative approach to Passover. And so he says to them, I will consult. I'll go to God. It's the mark of a godly leader to, to, to go to God, the ultimate leader. And, and so he says, while I do that, wait. 
Would you say wait with me? I'll count to three. You say wait, okay? One, two, three. That is easier said than done. Man, is that hard. Go to war. Well, that's tough, but we'll do it. Walk. I don't feel like it, but okay. Wait. We're horrible at it. We are horrible. And if we're honest, and it doesn't hurt to be once in a while, you should try it. You'll have to admit that you've gotten yourself in a whole lot of messed up situations simply because you didn't wait. Rule of thumb. In a time of uncertainty about God's direction, wait prayerfully, as Moses did. So Moses consults Almighty God, and God responds. Look at verse 9. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If any one of you or of your generations becomes unclean because of a dead person, and then God adds another possibility, or is on a distant journey, he may, however, observe the Passover to the Lord. In the second month on the 14th day at twilight, they shall observe it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. God's answer was, Moses, they can participate in the Passover. I want them to because they want to. They are so serious of laying their hands on redemption. They are so serious about being included in the plan of redemption, which is by grace, through faith, as a result of the application of the shed blood of the Lamb. God says, tell them they need not be excluded. Oh, no, they can be included. However, in their case... Since they had incurred a measure of uncleanness, God is intensely holy, you say. God says they must observe the Passover one month later. You on the first month, they on the second month. It's a gracious provision by a gracious God who desires for none to perish, but for all to be saved. And I learned something about God in this. I learned he is more flexible than most church people. <laughs> this is his law. The law is rigid. And God said, I'm going to allow this because of the heart of the inquirers. Because the circumstances called for a different approach, God said, you shall have it. Would that our churches today be as flexible with the way they do church as almighty God is. Because the circumstances today, like it or not, require that we do some aspects of church differently. That's just the way it is. We don't compromise the word of God. We don't toy with his law. We don't look for new creative theologies but dear friends, churches are closing their doors every day because the world is passing them by because they're irrelevant. They're not rejecting the head of the church. They're rejecting the form by which church is done. 
And those who tenaciously hold on to the very negotiable forms by which church is done are called dying churches. Even God, looking to the circumstances and the heart of the people involved, said, we can do it this way. And today people say, we're doing it this way because we've always done it this way. And they're closing their doors eventually. <laughs> okay, so, so God uh, uh, says they can observe. So verse 12, they shall leave none of it, the lamb, until morning, nor break a bone, nor break a bone of it. According to all the statutes of the Passover, they shall observe it. You're included. You're part of it. You too have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Step up to the Passover table. Yes. You want to be a part? I want you to be a part. Don't break the bones of this Lamb. It's Lamb-centered, isn't it? It's not just a meal. Let's eat. Oh, no. It's a holy worship experience. It centers on the Lamb. The bones of the lamb can't be broken. It's prophetic, isn't it? What happened to the Lord Jesus in his excruciating, torturous uh, crucifixion? None of his bone. He's the ultimate Passover lamb, is he not? We're not talking about ancient Israelite history. <laughs> We're talking about God's redemptive plan, which has been and always and is even today the same. Redemption through faith as a result of God's grace in the provision of the blood of the Lamb. But, verse 13, the man who is clean, he, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he wasn't at a funeral. He didn't touch a dead body. The one who is clean and not on a journey and yet neglects to observe the Passover, that person shall then be cut off from his people for he didn't present the offering of the Lord at its appointed time. That man will bear his sin. So, if someone was able to observe the Passover as ordained, yet expressed an unwillingness to, that person would have to bear the weight of his own sin. That person would not meet up, as did the others, with the grace of God, because that person has essentially refused it. That person has said, I want no connection to your plan of redemption. As a result, they will be cut off. It's a very strong word. Uh, your translation may say excommunicate, but it really means killed. They will die in their sin is what it means. If you don't lay your hands on the Passover lamb, if you don't participate in the reality of atoning blood commemorated through the Passover, you are cut off both from the covenant of God and the people who are privy to the covenant of God. The same holds true today. And then verse 14, a very interesting passage. If an alien, does your Bible say alien or does it say something else? Or stranger is the same kind of a deal. So not, you know, alien, I always think of the space creature. <laughs> I wish my translation said, what did you say yours was? Stranger is better. Stranger. You know what it actually um, means? It means use guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If a Gentile, that's you. They don't come any stranger. 
If if a Gentile, if someone who's not a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if a non-Jew, if someone who's not privy to the covenant that God established with descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if that person is among you and observes the Passover to the Lord, he sees the Jewish people uh, to whom the Passover was exclusively given. If he sees them getting in on it and observing it, the Gentile sojourner, he's passing through. He's just hanging out with the community, the covenant community. He sees them participating. If he sees this, you see, he's observing uh, the people uh, doing it according to the statute of the Passover and its ordinance. So he shall do. You shall have one statute, both for the alien, both for the Gentile and for the native of the land, both for the Gentile and the Jew. What does that mean? means the gracious God won't exclude anybody uh, from benefiting from the blood of the Lamb. Not a Jew, not a Gentile, anyone who wills. But in this case, if the Gentile wills to be part of it all, he has to satisfy a prerequisite, which all these people knew about, but which was stipulated not here, but in another book of the Bible, Exodus. So here's what it says in Exodus 12, verse 48. If a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near to celebrate it and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. Well, what's the magic in circumcision? Nothing. It's what it represents. It represents, it is a sign of a covenant. A covenant provided by God, whereby people, apart from him, can be reconciled to him. It's a sign that you're marked as one who belongs to Almighty God. You're not an alien. You're not a stranger. You're not at odds with God. You're his child. He provided the way. He provided the bridge, the mediator. It's through the shed blood of a lamb. And when you participate in that day, not in ours, in that day, in circumcision, it's the sign, it signifies that you are part of the covenant which God started with Israel for sure, but surely didn't mean to stop there. In fact, God raised up a very peculiar people group, stranger than you guys, us guys, Jews. (laughs) And he raised us up for no good thing in us. It's very clearly stated, I did not choose you because you're stronger than anyone else. In fact, you're weaker. I did not choose you because you're more numerous. Not at all. God chose. I'm sad to say this. Perhaps the most rebellious, stiff-necked, unresponsive people group on earth through him to manifest his grace. My people. Entrusted with overwhelming spiritual privilege and squandering it. Selling 
our birthright for a mess of worldly pottage stew. And yet God retains his connection to wayward Israel. A wonderful, wonderful basis of the assurance of your salvation as Gentile believers. And so God intended for this people group to be so blessed by having him as their God. And they be distinguished as recipients of his gracious forgiveness and pardon and redemption. Rejoicing. So much in being free from bondage and free to serve and worship him that onlookers who traveled with them, particularly Gentile sojourners and strangers, would say, how do I get in on this? He wanted Israel to offer living proof of a loving God to a watching world. And Israel has failed. But nobody can interfere with the plans of God. So God sends the number one Israelite, Yeshua, the Lord Jesus. And he fulfills what his people did not. And so at this point, Gentile sojourners are seeing Jews liberated from bondage. And though in the wilderness, totally provided for by God, sending things they had never seen before, like manna, meaning what is it? They had never seen it. Being guided by a pillar of cloud by day and flame by night. Having God establish his very presence in the tabernacle of testimony. Right in the middle of Israel. Being organized. Giving guidelines for life. Being under his watch care. And others who are watching this are aroused to a a kind of a holy jealousy. And they say, we want who you have. They would say, how could we participate in the Passover? Or not the meal so much, but in the reality of what the meal represented. How could we get in the covenant? How could our sins be forgiven? How could we be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb? And God provided it away. He gave specific instructions here. He said, yes, it is. You know why God did this? Because God wanted to extend the reality of Passover as far and wide as anyone is willing to believe. For he desires for none to perish, but for everyone to be cleansed by the blood of the Passover lamb. And folks, we are that covenant community Uh, today. God wants us to so live, to so overflow with the blessing of a personal relationship with transcendent deity who not only will not destroy us, he's going to deliver us into our land of promise. He wants us to be so filled with joy and hope of his coming and of our arrival at our destination of how he's cast all our sin behind his back and how he's going to give us glorified bodies and how we'll sit around his throne, sing him face to face and rejoice with him forevermore. And he he wants us to be... So filled with that, babe, people around us say, what makes you tick? What are you smoking? This actually happened to me in 1973. I was in the military barracks and I saw a guy who had something no one else in the barracks had. Surely that me. 
I couldn't put my finger on it. A peace, a contentment, a direction, a joy. I don't know what it is. And I remember one day on my initiative, not his, going to him and saying, his name was Mark, Mark, what makes you tick? And I asked him, have you discovered some drug I don't yet know about? Turn me on. And he said, Stuart, let me tell you my story. And he told me about this Jesus and that what Jesus had done for him, he's willing to do for me if I'm willing to accept what he's done for me. A death in my place for my sin so that I might live clean, forgiven as a child, not an adversary. I was aroused to jealousy. Now, I need to tell you something. The tables have turned. My people at present are not arousing the world to jealousy because they've turned their back on their own Messiah. It's a big issue. Maybe God's rejected the Jews. It's an issue. Paul asks this question. Romans 11, 11. I say then. They did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. My people were chosen, not because of any inherent good, were chosen to arouse the world to jealousy about what it's like to be a covenant people and to have communion with Almighty God. And we have failed. God used our transgression and our failure, no, not to destroy us, but to give you a way in. Why? To arouse my people to jealousy. The church that is not intent on taking the gospel, living the gospel, taking it to Jewish people, is a church that is not complying with God's redemptive plan. It's just that serious. Why do I say this? Because churches every day are turning their back on Jewish evangelism, Jewish missions, and the Jewish state of Israel. Every day. Watch out. Romans 11. For I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, of this mystery, lest you be puffed up in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel. Partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, until God fills his church with Gentile people from all over the world. And then it says, and then all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, Zion. Not from Rome, not from Mecca, not from Washington, D.C., from Zion. And he shall remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sin. I don't usually make dogmatic statements like this, but this is a day where all kinds of crazy theologies are, are, uh, are coming up saying God has rejected Israel. Um, 
be very, very careful. It doesn't look to me in Romans 11 that he did. And then all Israel will be saved when I take away their sin. That doesn't look like a rejection message. That looks like an acceptance message contingent on their faith in him. So the church that turns against Israel, look out. You're walking, uh, uh, going cross purposes with almighty God. Unbelievable. And if God has replaced Israel, when is he going to replace the church? The church church has not exactly been without spot or wrinkle either. Ah. So what's our job? To so enjoy the Savior that it's contagious. (laughs) Of course, that involves obedience. You can't enjoy him fully when you sin against him. Understand that. It is to be so filled with the very spirit of God who indwells us. To unquench him (laughs) with unholinesses (laughs) that he overflows. People start asking questions with regard to the hope that is in us. And then we make a defense. What a joy. What a joy. I will pour out my blessing upon you that the world may know I am your God. And they may say, how do I observe the Passover? Now, I close with this. I'm talking about the Passover, but we don't observe the Passover the way Israel did. Why don't we? We do Easter, we do Christmas, really excellent commemorative days, in my opinion. Why not Passover? Why don't we do it? Hang on. We do. (laughs) We do. Any person who has accepted the cleansing, atoning blood of the ultimate lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, and applied it by faith, not to the doorpost of their homes, but to the doorpost of their heart, and has been redeemed and saved by the blood of the Lamb, and is so grateful and thankful and joyous over it, is observing the Passover every single day. Old Testament stuff is a foreshadowing of New Testament realities. I don't need to go back to Old Testament stuff, which is a mere shadow of things when the substance is the Lord Jesus. It's okay to observe these feasts of Israel, but it is no longer obligatory. Why? Because they're all fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. i prove it to you. I guess I said I was closing a little too soon, but I am actually <laughs> closing. Gave you some false hope. But we're... 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, Paul's talking to a motley crew called the church at Corinth. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Leaven, a symbol of sin. That's what he's talking to. He says, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. Oh, my goodness. He's telling the Corinthians, you know what they were all about. He's telling them because of the blood of the lamb, act clean because you is clean. Uh, Act uh, uh, unleavened because you are as if you are an unleavened lump. And they're saying, but but, Paul, explain to us, how could this be? We're we're, we're human. We, 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 We have failings. We have even sinned. And then he says, for Christ, our Passover 
has been sacrificed for us. And the Corinthians celebrated the Passover. And the Eustonians are celebrating the Passover. If you apply the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to your terrible sin problem. Have you done so? Why not tonight? Why not tonight? I hope if you have come and have been a, an invited guest or for some other reason have found your way here, I hope not so much that you like what you have seen. Not, not so much that. I hope, I hope you've been disturbed because you're realizing you don't have who we have. We don't want you to be uncomfortable here. We hope you like the seats, the temperature, all the rest. But in a sense, we hope you're not too comfortable, to be honest. We hope you have a measure of unsettledness. Because there are folks around here who are saying, in spite of who I am and what I've done, I stand before Almighty God with a pardon in all my debt paid in full, canceled. So I stand before him no longer as a debtor, but as a kid. And he's my dad. And I don't fear him anymore because his perfect love has, has removed my fear. I hope you're disturbed enough to, 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 to say, I don't have that, but I want that. And, and, uh, and it isn't about any of us. It's even better. God wants you to have him in full measure. So he's extended the application of the Passover lamb to everybody, male and female. All the, th the ways we divide, God doesn't. Um, Jew and Gentile and old and young and black and white and rich and poor. <laughs> he said, who wants to come to the table? and feast and be filled uh, on, on the sacrificed Passover lamb. <laughs> who would like to be made into one new person? Who would like to join my covenant community? We want you to know that the Passover lamb himself, the Lord Jesus, is the one inviting you tonight to sup on him. That simply means to take him in. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Grant me forgiveness that I might have peace with you. Fill me with your very being that I might become daily more like you. And give me such joy in it that my friends and family say, What's new with you? You're different. And then I promise you, I'll tell them, you made the difference. Isn't that a better way to go than the way you may be going right now? So, Lord Jesus, in the power of your presence and spirit, and in accordance with your kind intentions, would you so move that there would be adoption tonight? of wayward ones into your family as sons or as daughters through the blood of you, Lord Jesus, the Passover lamb, consumed, if you will, by faith 
And yet unlike any other Passover lamb, for you are alive from it all. You overcame the sacrifice which you rendered in our place, rose up from the last enemy death that we may live forever with you. Oh God, would you grant your salvation to those who here tonight will be saved. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.